the duchy from coast to coast Let the man Gary Wilson rock the most We are Hottest 100s and Thousands We have taken control of your radio station This is the podcast where we take two turntables and a microphone Plus three more And talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100 My name's David James Young I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so Joining me once again, it's Nathan Harrison Hello It's Adam Buncher That was a good intro Thanks fam <laughs> nice. Nice. Thanks Andrew McDonald. Also here. We've got an interesting little group of songs oh, today. Oh, yeah. yeah um, if life begins at 40, then we are. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the run-up to it. Oh, baby. The run-up to life. Birth. <laughs> but, uh, Gestation. Gestation. <laughs> to celebrate getting towards Routing. life, let's talk about a really dead band. Oh, We're heading over oh. to the muddy banks of the Wishkar now, and uh, we are going to take a track from Nirvana. Funnily enough, a live track. Uh. Ah! Really? Again? Live? <laughs> this is Nirvana with aneurysm. number 45 uh, with a live version of aneurysm that's taken from their 1996 live record from the muddy banks of the wishka adam you never got to see nirvana live no none of us did have you seen dave Grohl live yeah yeah, yeah. uh foo fighters playing a stadium show off the back of in your honor was one of the f- first gigs that i kind of went yeah, to there you go i saw them on fun. the back of the the latest record the sonic highways record nice. Yeah, um, right. Did they play wheels? When the wheels come yes, they fucking played wheels. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bar. get to that in the hottest 100 of, I think, 2011 or some shit. Like, they literally got into, like, 100 with wheels. So, fucking good on them. Well, I think it's pretty clear why this song kind of got in. It's one thing to miss a band by listening to their recorded work or listening to specifically, I think, Nirvana's recording wo- recorded work and, and just and miss them. And, and get some idea of what they're yeah. about from that. But when you listen to this, it's like I can see how a Nirvana fan would miss them because they're here so much. This track and its recording, this live version, gives a, a vision and an insight into these musicians that you wouldn't get from a recorded version. Like mm. when Kurt's voice first kicks in and the way it sounds and the power behind it, it's very affecting. And I can only imagine how much more so... Um, at the time that, you know, people were voting for this song and listening to the song and when it was released. So a bit of background about this particular version. Uh, it does come from a live album called uh, Live from the Muddy Banks of the Wishco, which features mm-hmm. a compilation of different live recordings taken from 1989 to 1994. Yes. Now, this was intended to be released as a live album to come with the unplugged MTV album. 
but at the time the band were in no state to really be thinking about putting together albums so they shelved it for a while you know and i can completely understand that um now the album's title the muddy banks of the wish car refers to a little bit of uh kurt cobain's story the wish car river is in aberdeen in washington and apparently uh this is where kurt cobain spent a lot of time hanging out um underneath the bridge and you know depending on who you talk to apparently like he spent some nights sleeping out there um which as, has been as disputed well. as it well. has been disputed yeah, yeah. some people are like you never slept out there but i like but that's, that's you know it's just part of the it, yeah, sort it's of all, yeah, it's myth, there's so many tall tales and mythology yeah, yeah, exactly. band, hey. and nirvana are all about that you know that mythology and i think especially at this time so i think you know a slight amount of indulgence there is mm. if you know like allowed if not necessary everyone is just in fine form and it, this makes me kind of when i hear a track like this go holy fuck it really would have been great to see nirvana live that really would have been the, a very very special thing to witness in the history of music as a whole mm. dave grohl putting in massive work on the drums like the energy is so there they're still tight mm. uh still heartfelt it's an amazing live performance that as i said before really does i think give a picture of what this band would have been like live like i mm. think that's what a, a good live recording ultimately does right you yeah. know like you read into things, even like I oh, moved away from the microphone a little bit at that point. I wonder what he was doing. Like, I wonder what he looked like in that moment. I think yeah. like, to have that curiosity when you're listening to a live song is really a sign of a, of a good live recording, but it's what I get from this. And aneurysm itself as a track is just hectic, man. It's so, it's, it's, a, it's a great cut. Mm. Like it's a great cut in a great version. And you know, it, it's no wonder that it was voted into the countdown here. Like I'm not the biggest like Nirvana or grunge in general fan, but like, I can see entirely why this is here. Like having a documented recording of this live, which probably would have been a bit of a fan favorite. Like it's kind of known amongst Nirvana fans at the time, just like being like a B-side or whatever. Yeah. Like one of their more like loved songs from the B-side era. It's like a dedicated fan thing. And to get this, have like a promotional single release with a lot of airplay, I can see entirely why Nirvana fans would be like after like a year or so after Kurt's death, like it's still, you'd still be reeling like as a fan. This document of the band when they were at their, I guess, popular like commercial and some say artistic peak is a really wonderful thing. And like like you look past some of the audio recording issues because of that. Like it's just such a wonderful document of the band that was like they mm. like they're in all in terrific form. Kurt's voice is that ha- wonderful haggard like high energy apathy like he did that he delivers so well like he's so yeah yeah he's a really really wonderful singer in this track like yeah. the, this live performance of this track it sounds like it's sloppy until you evaluate the pieces like yeah 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 the, the working machinations of it are so tight but like to hear it it's like it's a haggard put together like rock song but like no no they knew like they knew the fucking play like they knew yeah. all the way that what the song was put together like they were masters of what they were doing yeah. it just sounds like it's messy and it sounds like it's falling to pieces because the band are just spectacular at this point in their career yeah. are, are you are you a big fan of in general question for the room of live recordings like a live recording something that contextually you- yeah. yeah there are some like live albums that i've spent fucking ages listening to and yeah. that I know back to front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey. I, I always feel like it's a bit of a cop-out if a band doesn't have a huge amount of output and they put it out a live album. It's different with Nirvana because like they were an important actor. It was the band members going back and looking over their recordings after their friend had died. Yeah. Um, but like I always feel like it's a bit of a cop when a band has like two albums and a live album. I like, would say unless there is something about that band's incarnation in a live setting that's yeah. vastly different to their recorded works. Yeah. Um, because I believe the Mars Volta put out a recorded album after their first two studios. Yeah, right. But it was kind of warranted considering how much they jammed in their live sets. Like, they, they mm. really that's transformed yeah. their yeah. songs. Yeah. So when they got festival sets, they'd have 45 minutes and they'd play two songs. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They don't, that's not how long the songs go for. Yeah. Mm. It's 43 minutes. It's <laughs> di- different for, like, those kind of acts. But, like, it's always contextual and like like I understand like I'm not going to check out this live album because I'm not a huge Nirvana fan but if you were a Nirvana fan I can see why you would be like oh no the live cut aneurysm is where it's at yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I it'd why. be an ace opinion to have as well like to be that oh, yeah. much some of a songs fan some songs are way you know? better live yeah. like than the recorded version like everything's just discussing people's favourite live records <laughs> by the band live obviously I'm talking about I always think of like one, like one of like the absolute greatest of all time that early 
uh, Who Live at Wembley record, and they do nice. there's two jams at the end. One of which is like a 15 minute version of of um, My Generation, which is very oh, good. Cool. But they do an eight minute version of Magic Bus, and it is just like oh. it tears their studio version to pieces. Where I'm like, I can't listen to the original Magic mm-hmm. Bus anymore. Yeah. Like it's just like the way, like the humor and the joy they bring to this eight minute version of Magic Bus, where they have a dialogue together with the band, and it's so fucking delightful. And that's what I want from a live song. Usually, is I really like the idea of there being familiar song and then maybe a new twist on it and I really like that and yeah. also yeah, when you feel like you're part of the band like in that kind of thing like that like um, spectacular live record that was also cobbled together from different incarnations of the like the band's history one of my absolute favorites as well is um the name of the band is Talking Heads ah um, yeah, yeah right okay. for sure two disca sure. cha- chronologically charting their gigs from pre the first album up to the fifth album tour and yeah, like that's yeah, a yeah 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 Remarkably perfect live album, and, and like then you've bands, got the, then you've got stop making sense. Yeah, as the well, video which is of that, of course, widely is. regarded as like the definitive live video. live performance, mm. yeah. probably ever. Yeah. Um, so like live yeah. albums when they're done well, I think are very very worthwhile on a yeah. to a band discography. I love um, Bruce Springsteen's uh, live seventy five to eighty six. It is a uh, triple vinyl. It's a big, 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 big old archive of all these uh, all these different cuts. Like super long versions, some with like heaps of like banter and stories at the front and stuff like that, and covers that he used to just do live and never actually recorded, and so finally to have versions of them. Um, but yeah, like obviously back in the archives, like there's some absolute classics from back in the day. Rick James has an incredible live album from back in the day, like the Ramones. Um, Ramones, yeah, it's yeah. alive is perhaps the best Ramones album. I think so. Yeah. Um, also going back, uh, you mentioned Rick James, which made me think of James Brown. And <laughs> oh yeah, because they they all have a similar name. Shit, live at the Apollo. All, he, all, all his best shit was live album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like all of Johnny his- Cash, False in Prison. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But the point is, yeah. the point is that like there is something about a live recording. You, there's good and there's bad, and like you know, this is an example of of what is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly in the Not- context of the band being able to relive those moments after Nirvana yeah. has yeah. ended definitively, like that. Does something it's a extra. Shame. It's a shame that doesn't happen much anymore. Like, uh, I think the last live album I listened to was uh, Against Me's live album, um, mm, which is quite good. Yeah, uh, Twenty Three Live I Sex Acts. To that the other day. The cool thing about Twenty Three Live Sex Acts is that half they the, they kept this version yeah. in of their song New Wave. About halfway through, there's like a scuffle between a fan and security, oh. and so they stop the song and just like intervene and like huh. tell the security to fuck off and shit. Nice. And then they're just like. Well, we can't pick that song up. Let's just go on to the next one. So they kept, they just kept the song where it go- gets huh. halfway in, and then you hear the whole thing go down. And they're just like, "Oh, hey, what the fuck are you doing?" Huh, I'm just so like, good. the fact they left that on the live album and didn't like make it super like squeaky clean, like nothing went wrong or anything like that. I think that's pretty awesome. Mm. That's a great thing about live albums as well. Yeah, like hearing the band as humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 True. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, giving a picture of the band, like yeah. it, whether whether you hear it in the banter or whether you hear it in just like knowing that they were doing something then because. Yeah. the crowd mm. you know and it's th- up to your imagination to fill in those gaps I think yeah. you hear it with Kurt here mm. yeah totally. you 100% yeah. do not yeah. in the sense that he's cracking jokes or whatever no. no but like but he's his haggard <laughs> voice and he's there you hear him as yeah. a person yeah. Yeah. yeah I also spent a while thinking about this as a single in 1996 so I think like a significant part of Cobain and Nirvana's legacy was defined by the MTV Unplugged record, I think mm. because of how yeah, late that came of course, out. Of yeah. Also just how popular it was and how accessible it was. And there was a real sort of tragic tenderness to Cobain's performance in that and it just made everything a lot more accessible. And I think on a really like pop cultural level, that's a big part of of his image, that legacy, that really like kind of soft stripped back mm. acoustic kind of stuff, you know, like story... Um, about a girl and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And that's that's awesome. There's a lot of people who love that record that would probably never listen to a different Nirvana record because it's not what they're interested mm. in. Mm. But this song, and particularly this version of the song, is such an antithesis to that idea. Yeah. I mean, I think there's still a sort of fragility to Kurt's performance, but it's so angry and yeah. raw and violent, and it captures that side of Nirvana and, and you know, just demonstrates musically lyrically, culturally, like why they were so important, who they were as a band, you know, why they did the things they did and why they are not the MTV band. Unplugged. Why they're not MTV Unplugged. I know some, like a lot of people whose favourite Nirvana record is MTV Unplugged and that's not like, like people who are serious Nirvana fans, Yeah, yeah. And like that's fine but like it's re- it's so important that's not, not like 
the reason that that's exceptional is because it is the exception to the rule. That's like, not, not it just, is exceptional not, by definition. Yeah, not, yeah. not just a great performance, but a great performance that's an outlier. Yeah. Like, and so I think, you know, the, the irony is that in the sort of post-Nirvana release landscape, this track feels like the outlier where yeah. it isn't and it shouldn't be. Like pe- people posting, like when you, when you see pictures of Kurt with the flowers holding an acoustic guitar, that's not who Kurt was. Exactly. That was a, that, 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 that was cool. A because he's a handsome dude and he looks cool, but also B because that's oh, it was, it's weird to see him with an acoustic guitar and flowers by candlelight. Yeah, it's, you, you should see him with like a battered up strap with some like a gnarly head of hair and like yeah, yeah. like a little bit boozy spitting on the camera. That's who Kurt Cobain was, and you get that more in this song. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think of it like you you think about all the post grunge that we've had to talk about over the last <laughs> couple of seasons, like, and this song just like. It just tears them to shreds. Yeah, it, 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 like it's, it's obvious that, that they're so much better than their contenders. That like that it's just it's so much more accomplished and yeah, like it's 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 a killer choice for a promo single for a live album and like what a no-brainer to vote this into the countdown. Like Amen. Agreed. And number 44, it's the return of the Cranberries. Uh, this song called Salvation. Champions, the Cranberries, are back for their second ever appearance. Oh, third. Mm-hmm. Third. Yeah. Yeah. Third appearance in the mm-hmm. in the hottest 100. They're, uh, they're lingering. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. No, in, in your dreams. <laughs> oh, boom. <laughs> uh, yeah, so former number one, former number three. So they've clocked top five twice, but uh, this time they're they're just going to have to settle for number forty-four. Yikes! Uh, <laughs> they've clocked top forty-four. How the fallen? Uh, this song's called Salvation, and if there's one guy I know that needs salvation, it's Andrew McDonald. I obviously know the band, and like I know this song, everybody does, but like, I didn't know the name of this song. And then when I saw the list, and I was like, "Oh, Salvation! What a song that is!" And then in my head, I'm like, "I wonder if it's like the Cranberries' best song, Dreams." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, it's this song, right?" And I remember like. Like, what it does well is that, like it's pop punky and it's kind of fun. It's not why they they were a good band and like Dolores's voice works actually surprisingly well mm-hmm. with like that kind of pop rock pop punky edge kind sure, of thing. Yeah. And yeah. like I know that she says that like it's a song about self, like it's about herself, nothing like that. But like no one's buying. And like it. obviously, like I, I've I've had friends who have died of drug overdoses. I don't want people to be sick. I don't want anybody to be sick anyway. Like, no. Sick with addiction or sick with like a bad flu. I don't want people to be unhappy kind of thing like that but, but you don't tell someone with a bad flu don't have, don't the, flu. have the flu it's like or, yeah. I, or I don't tell somebody like I know that like overuse of like if you run too much you can do damage to your tendons but like a, a, a short run is good fun and that's nice and I'm not going to tell someone who's like having a party to I'm not going to scold them <laughs> for going like, for a run for go- in the <laughs> middle of a party it's like hey man like, I think she's more thinking if someone else is coming to you being like, do you want to go for a run? Yeah. You have to realize. Yeah. If someone says to you like, hey, man, I'm going to go for a jog. I'm like, I'm not really a runner, but you know what? Like, well, no, I'll, I'll have a run. It's only a- she's saying don't go for a run. Yeah. Like don't being, but she's saying don't go to a run to people that are like, I have a psychological condition where I can't stop running. The idea of not running causes me yeah. so much distress, but that running I, that, is destroying that, my body. That, that I'm physically throwing up if I yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. I've been hospitalized because of my addiction to running. And she's like, well, this just don't run. Out of hand. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, to all, all the kids with heroin eyes, don't do it, don't do it. And it's like, dude, like, you know, just stop doing heroin. It's heroin. It's pretty <laughs> you know, powerful like, stuff. Like heroin. Yeah, it's it, it's actually quite famous for how good it is and how horrible you are when you're stuck on it. Like, it's, it's kind of and, the whole thing. And also, like, sure, 
coke addiction is bad, but also like there must be like if my lawyers are listening, there must be something about it that's good because people <laughs> do it and they get happy. Like it's just so fucking preachy about yeah. like to all those kids doing lines, don't do it, don't do it. It's and like, then you find out that she's like a woman in her mid-twenties at the time. They're like, it's all right. Like if your, your old elderly aunt is preaching at you, like, look, well, you know, you shouldn't be having that that marijuana cigarette, that jazz cigarette with the Negroes, I imagine. <laughs> like, Jesus. That is how Nana. they, that is how they criminalise marijuana in America. Do you think taking weed is um, cool? <laughs> obviously being straight edge is fine. It's cool. To, like it's a badass Hi. thing. I like fucking minor threat. Being straight edge is cool. But like preaching about being straight edge or preaching about not doing drugs is as lame as, as talking about 420 without irony. Yeah. Like, be, like yeah. being a blaze lord, chuffing the cones, 420, what up? Shaka, shaka, shaka. Sweet. Ironically, is funny, obviously, but there are people who dedicate their whole personas to that bullshit and to do the opposite where you dedicate, not that they are known to be an anti-drug band, but like to have a song that's like a major pop rock hit where you're like scolding the kids for getting high. is It's so dorky. And I yeah. hate that that's my, 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 my anger. It just <laughs> relies on somebody being uncool, but like just don't be a fucking wad, man. Like, you're like a fucking loser. But it's also pretty messed up to like to write a serious song yeah. about drug addiction and not actually address and, uh, without and empathy any yeah. of the drug yeah. like, and, uh, like that's to, so bad yeah, to scold someone for being a heroin addict yeah she like, doesn't yeah. she doesn't address the experience of uh, being a drug user in any way yeah. whether it be uh, someone with addiction or someone without she doesn't address that experience in any particular way like She's doing the, the equivalent of like going down the street and telling homeless people to go get, get a job. job. Yeah, exactly. It's like that. that's, that's yeah. what this song yeah. is. It is kind of that. I yeah. mean, you look at great anti-drug songs and yeah, there's, there there's always be- a nod towards empathy. I'm thinking of um, a song that I know that you and I both love very deeply, Heroin by The Velvet Underground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 written from a point of from a heroin addict. Like when yeah. you're trying about like yeah yeah it'll it's, be it's it'll empath- be the death of me, but it's also it's my wife and it's my life. Like it sucks. You, you so know bad what I mean? I can't kick this or even like life. to get yeah. more simply, Master of Puppets by Metallica. Yeah, right. Like it it represent that song ends with heavy guitars and laughing <laughs> because you're a slave to this thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like because yeah, like, you are like obeying your master. That's like, right, yeah, and that sucks. Yeah, and yeah. Like, this this is just. Like the PMRC would have gotten a boner over this, like this preachy parent friendly, like they would have like, obviously hid their boner because they are the PMRC. It's the PMRC. <laughs> like, like it's cross just, their it, legs politely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if somebody could just hand me my jacket, I'll be on my way. Uh, um, it's just so like the approach to drug regulation that any reasonable sensible person knows doesn't work because it's been proven over the last hundred years that scolding people isn't a good way to get them to not do things yeah like that's right education and information and empathy is is how you can inform somebody be like you know what like like sure like if if you are able to do drugs and not become an system and still work as a happy reasonable human being then great fucking cool but also a lot of people can't be, do yeah, that be warned yeah like, a, lot of, a lot of people can't do that and if you're like if you're going to fall into a pit of addiction and sorrow and often death and abuse to not only yourself but everybody who is around you then scolding that person and just being like don't do it it's not what it seems but don't worry there's salvation at the end of the tunnel uh, like when I read about on Wikipedia that this has been covered by a bunch of like yep, Christian yep, straight edge yep, bands yep, yeah, I'm yep, like yep. oh, oh fucking course it has yep. Christian yep. band can we, Earth can suit? we hear that can we hear that please oh we can dave we can (laughs) we've got a message for you tonight new zealand salvation is free now listen up and also vegan straight edge hardcore band prayer for cleansing Yeah, that's wow. that's disgusting. You know who else had a prayer wow. for cleansing? <laughs> a little person who was born on 420. A uh, Mister Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. Was he born on the? Was he born on Ford? Yeah. 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 Audibly, this isn't a bad song, but morally, yeah. it's objectionable. Yep. yep. 100% on board. But also, like, speaking musically, because we're into that territory now, I think we've covered off all the morals here quite a bit here. Speaking musically. <laughs> talk about music on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, who are the Cranberries at this point? 
based on you know not well, someone who's not a Dolores O'Riordan. No, no, was, no, was, no, was, no, no, no. The same album as Zombie. No, uh, second, I, no, no, no. The zombie, I don't think oh, so. I think no, it right. might have been the record so. after yeah. it. Right. Okay. But like we've heard three oh, songs we'll look that up. on the on the on, in our podcast going through the history of the hottest one hundred so far. There's no discernible kind of genre across kind of any of them, but they but they are discernible. Like Locally. genres mm. that they're that they're doing, like it makes me look at like the the title of their first album. Everyone else is doing it, so, so why can't I'm we? Like- it's like, well, is that your mission statement? <laughs> is this like you're not gonna you're not gonna come up with any kind of unified music yourself? You're just gonna do everything. In what, a if way? Ever, what if everyone's having a beer, Dolores? <laughs> <laughs> what if everyone's doing lines? <laughs> <laughs> didn't need oh, to make it racial. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. No, it was, it was, don't do it, Adam. Yeah. Don't do it. No, it's not what it seems, frankly. Because this is like, it's almost a scar song. <laughs> the horns there come in. Ah, uh, more horns. And it's, oh, yeah, the picked, horns. The horns. Pick it up, pick don't, it up, pick it up, pick it up. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't get there. Pick it up, so long as it's not a baggie of Ooh. drugs. <laughs> yeah, don't pick it up. Don't pick don't it up. Do it. Put it down. Put it, put it down. Yours. It's not yours. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. I did. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, musically, the bin, but hey, I, I think musically it gets there because I remember as a kid not minding it. Like, yeah, like, no, it's like, fine. I remember thinking it sounds cool because like, she has a captivating voice, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the yeah. song is punchy. Like, it, yeah. it works. And, but yeah, I still, still kind of feel like it's not their song, though, like, in a way because it's just because they still haven't told me, like, who they are. They, I think they, they, I they became more middle of the road rock like yeah. this and zombie after, like, Linger and, like I've said before, the perfect song, Dreams. Right. Yeah, okay. great song. Well, I mean, like, well, who are you now then? What have you done for <laughs> well, me lately? This is their third record. <laughs> yeah. the th- these records called "To the Faithful Departed." Too many lines. <laughs> <laughs> too many lines. Too many lines. <laughs> oh, too oh, faithful Seamus. to Sweet mother drugs. <laughs> Don't do it. The jazz um, powder. Yeah. As I call well, cocaine. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. The, j- the jazz spoon, as I call the heroin spoon. <laughs> All drugs are just the jazz, whatever. Now, uh, the jazz rocks. Uh, um, so apparently, this record was uh, at a really dark time in the band's trajectory. Really? Um, if one of them died of drug overdose. I'm gonna feel pretty bad. Well, um, <laughs> wait. Dolores O'Riordan's uh, grandfather died of um, uh, old oh. age. Oh, I'm yeah. He was old fine. as fuck. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> To all those people getting old, don't do it. <laughs> um, and uh, also, uh, a guy by the name of Denny Cordell, who uh, originally discovered the band and signed them to Island Records. What, what about him? Uh, he, d- he also died. He died. He died. <laughs> it was called Ireland Records. Ireland. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Island Records. Um, so there were three other singles from this record. Uh, oh, actually four. Free to Decide... <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, when you're gone, Hollywood. Oh, I love it when fucking non-American bands like reference America. It's just like more like Hollywood. Am I right, you guys? <laughs> oh, you know what it's like over there. And a song called "I'm Still Remembering." Um, so yeah, obviously no hits on this record. No, no. major hits on this record. This has got a bit of airplay hits? though. Yeah. Don't do it. Oh, damn. No, 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 them jazz hits. No, jazz hits. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Old like, Miles Davis is kind of. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, honestly, this, perhaps more than any other song, at least morally, I want to say, fuck this song. This mm, is, mm, mm, it's okay. immoral. Yeah, like, yeah. I agree. But Dolores is so hot, though. She's gorgeous. <laughs> <in the video. laughs> I'll do coke with her. At number 43, it's Beck Hansen, baby! Let's get into this motherfucking shit. Drop it right now. This is where it's at. In the towns we know A place we saw the lights turn low The jigsaw jazz in the jet fresh flow Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans and just clap your hands Or just clap your hands 
That was a good drum break. Beck coming in at number 43 in the 1996 Hottest 100. That's a little tune called Where It's At. Holy shit. What an absolute goddamn banger. Literally, what the fuck else can you say? Like, this is one of the, like, most fun and ridiculous Beck songs in the, in, like, in the archive. And, like, considering this guy has done so, so much... And, like, traversed so many genres and fucked around with so many different sounds and ideas and whatever else have you. Like, it's pretty crazy to to look back at this time in his life. Yeah, it's so... That small, small window, despite the fact that he... Like, one of his earliest tracks is um, MTV Makes Me Want to Smoke Crack. He got MTV big. He was a huge artist. And he is a huge artist. He sells out arenas and, mm. like... Play, yeah. Headlines, headlines, He's still widely headlines regarded festivals. as like a massive, yeah, yeah like yeah. prominent figure. But this, like, this debuted at Lollapalooza. How, how on oh. earth did this music get popular? It was mm-hmm. this, like there must have been like like yeah. three years that he could have made a career for himself. <laughs> Apart from that, he'd be a band camp artist. Yeah, like, yeah. right he, place, right time. Yeah. Like Beck was look, a mega. Star. There are probably a, a, a hundreds of would be backs, but it's just like yeah, but he's. <laughs> Like, he's so perfect at what he does. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No matter what hat Beck is wearing, like an ironic <laughs> hat tilted to the side or a 10-gallon cowboy hat or like, a trucker's, a hat or like a trucker's cap or whatever else, he's fucking nailing it. There's just such a great vibe to this song and such a cool energy. Yeah, I, I can't be in a bad mood and listen to this song. Like, it is pretty impossible. I, I think this stands the test of time. Like, uh, like despite the fact that it is so, like, rooted in a, in a time and a place, like, I can still throw this on now and just be like, hell yeah. Obviously, like, he's playing up how white he is, but, you know, like, tune turntables and a microphone or whatever. But then, like, when that shit drops, like, everyone just fucking goes nuts for it. I, I, it's it's tough for me to even critically analyze just because like yeah. it's just it's just its own goddamn thing and no one does it like Beck. But, you know, I'm stoked we get to talk about him a little bit more in this countdown. We, we there were a couple of questions about you know how how the hell did this come about and you know what's going on and how how is this a thing. I think a lot of it is answered in the story leading up to the creation of Odelay and the creation of this song subsequently. And I was really fascinated to read about this time as well because it's it's just it's great. It's really interesting, and it communicates a lot about Beck because he was just paranoid prior to the recording of Odelay of becoming a one-hit wonder. Loser it was loser, yeah. huge. Mm. It was massive, and it was everywhere. And he copped a lot of people kind of criticizing him, saying like, "You're just the neck. You're just a 15 minute of fame guy. You've got this one-hit wonder. Um, and it's a unique sound are, as well. Like, people are just co-opting you. Like you're just being used by labels and executives right now. Um, you're, you're not actually an artist with any kind of integrity and whatever. And he kind of rebelled against that in some really weird ways. He when performing live used to deliberately fuck around with the version of Loser that he played. He says that yeah. he did like a reggaeton kind of 15 minute version. He'd play like a Miles Davis version of it. He would deliberately sing the wrong lyrics so no one could sing along. Like, and he just, he confound his fans who were only there because they knew Loser. So he was like, you know, and I think that's just like a product, not, not of like self-destruction necessarily, but just like the, acting against fear of becoming a one-hit wonder that everyone said that he was. So... He came back and he began to work on this next album and he the first thing he he thought was it's absolutely not going to be what my last album was which was a, as he said it was like a collection of demos all composed at different times and all kind of placed together. He said whatever this album is going to be it's going to be recorded as an album and it's going to be recorded to be an album. And yeah. so there were these massive mammoth 16-hour days that he was pulling in the recording studios trying to get a cohesive album made. Um, what he ended up with was a kind of like folky album. And he said, you know, if I had released that at the time, it probably would have been popular and probably would have given me a lot of alternative success. But it just didn't feel right. So he scrapped the entire thing. The only thing that uh, from that that made it on there was actually the final track in Odelay, which is you know slightly folkier or whatever. Yeah. Then he discovered Paul's Boutique mm. uh, and the Dust Brothers. Dust Brothers. Oh, man. And he started to work with the Dust Brothers. And that's how we got this kind of pastiche sample weirdness that he became known with for this album. He, he hooked up with those guys and the critics yeah. automatically praised it. Like it was, it was a big hit as soon as it came out, which like I suppose it's just when you've got quality – 
like, and you're doing something that's this interesting, and this kind of connected to a lot of other different scenes, mm. but not belonging to any of them, that, you know, it just kind of speaks for itself. Like, it, it probably it's, was just, it's an undeniably good album, and people kind of thought that from the beginning. It's funny to me that um had that origin, because, like, to me, it sounds like just a crystallization of what he was trying with mellow gold like because they're like mm. both kind of pastiche beat driven like yeah, yeah. acoustic slacker rock meets hip-hop but like this is just a better version and like this mm. is like a perfect obviously it's a brilliant record and this song you feel bad when you say the best song on an album is like the most popular or single you're like oh obviously but it's like this song is pretty fucking perfect yeah like so much has been written like david Wynn said it's hard to critically look at it and i'm with you like i don't know how like it's yeah, hard to I'm, pick yeah. apart and be like oh well, this is a great thing i like the way he does this and he deconstructs these tropes and blah 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 and there is a lot of that in a lot of Beck's work, but like it's just so good. It's just, yeah. it, it sounds so wonderful all the time. Like, yep. yeah. and like I guess like it is in the actual definition of the term. Like the meme ready chorus, like two turntables and a microphone, and the robot bit saying it, and that that was a good drum break. Like it's silly and over the top. Yeah. But like the song, like it always takes me off guard how slow the song starts. Like mm. it, that that keyboard riff is sensuous, like honey. Like it just oozes its way into the into the headphones or speakers or wherever you listen to it and it's so lovely and like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just that, so that, like that organ kind yeah, of style yeah like, it, uh, like it might, a B3 but yeah, something about it like, begins to send itself up even as it begins yeah like, I don't like, know what be- it is because all of the lyrics are like like that free form poetry that like where he obviously doesn't convey a scene but he conveys a certain mood to be sure just from the start of where it's like, there's a destination in the middle of the road. And it's just like, oh, okay, right. Like, it's just, you're going to be like this. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, like, no, you're yeah, going to be like doing this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm just like, there's like no better way like to describe his sound, like the love of Beck than just saying the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Like yeah. that's, that is Beck to a fucking T. Beck is like one of the most idiosyncratic musical artists that has ever existed. Stone Cold. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. this song, obviously every individual component of this song is perfect. This is, there's, there's nothing about this song that you would change or extend or reduce. It is a perfectly composed piece of music. This is one of those landmark 90s songs that defines an era and a genre and I'm sure a group of people like and like and an attitude and everything yeah. like this makes me think of like why at this point in time The Simpsons is so big as well like there's an intertextuality to this song and to The Simpsons like that just works there's like an mm. attitude to how you approach other texts in making something new that yeah, this song sure. is just phenomenal like every piece yeah. is held together not by some you know sort of traditional idea of what a song should sound like and how cohesive a song should be but it's held together by a by an ethos and like a craft of how you can put together sounds to make meaning. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. True. And also like there are so many sounds and it's kind of sensory overload. Like I, yeah. I had a close listen to this song. Cause I mean, a beautiful thing about this song is you can put it in the background. And it's a great background jam, but then you like put a dedicated listen onto it and it's almost too much. Like yeah. I forget how many different bits there are. There's to this song. so much going on. Like- so much going on. It's like you're you're trying to grasp with the imagery of his lyrics at the same time as the imagery created by the sounds and the samples, and it and it it all is so cut together and jumbled in a way. Like it's mm. yeah, it's hard to deal with almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, though, like it'd be hard to deal with were were it not like. Impossibly that, smooth. Yeah the, yeah, the keyboard riff and that smooth fucking like Armin break driven beat. Like, yeah, he's perfect. And then the chorus of just where it's actually like, it's yeah. just so like, you know, the first time you hear it, you're singing along to the second chorus. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so accessible despite everything that he's doing. My favorite thing that I learned, you know, reading around this uh, to talk about it today, Dust Brothers, who worked on this and worked on Paul's Boutique, which is where yep. he found it. worked them. on Middle of Nowhere. Uh, yep. And the soundtrack to Fight Club. Yep. Yeah, and Mbop by Hanson. Yeah, nice. Middle of they Nowhere, res- the album. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, but they are responsible for the wiki wiki... Oh, yeah. Oh, record scratch noise. Yeah. The yeah. And they that's, what they, that's all they did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it clear. That's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> the rest, the so rest is pure Zach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, <laughs> the most underrated member of Hanson. Thank you. But yeah, we'll get to talk about Beck again really soon. But fuck, I hope oh we what didn't blow a load too early because we're not even halfway done. There's so much. To oh, talk there about. is no. There is so yeah. much more Beck love to be yeah. had. Yeah, like. fuck yeah. It's time for a two-part series on fucking ridiculous band names. <laughs> Part one. Part one. Finny Scad. That's a real name. This song is called Coppertone and it came in at number 42, Wenty, baby. Lol, sweet. Oh, yeah, we agreed that this would be the... 
420, baby! 420. Wait, well, oh, just because it's not... It's, it's 42.0. 42. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, so, blaze it, everyone. If you want. Don't, Don't do, do it! it. Don't <laughs> do it! <laughs>
Mm. It's, I draw a parallel. They to me, to me like I that. I wouldn't have fucking called UMI as a comparison really? point. Really? I just, to be I get like the tone I get from this song is like oh, I'm not there yet, but I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, not in terms of the song not being good, but like the 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 vocalist. I yeah. feel like he's taking. I can a, definitely trying that, to get better, guys. Now that you've said yeah. it, I can definitely imagine hearing Tim Rogers going Copper Tone, but that's got, yeah, he's got yeah. a good voice for holding out those long sustained yeah. vowel sounds. But even like the way he strains at the top, the, the ten mm. times a day line and whatever. Um. Yeah, I don't really know. Did anyone want to venture a guess at what the song's about? I, I feel like it's it's got a bit of an AA vibe to me. Maybe. Oh, or, yeah, maybe. Either that or it's about a girl. <laughs> no, I don't think it's... I don't know. It's... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's about both. I, I can't think of anything apart from just the, the classic Bogan sing-along. What's the colour of a two-cent piece? Copper, <laughs> copper. That's what you'd fucking start singing when the cops are nearby, so you got to fucking hide your shit. <laughs> That is that that is some niche Australian knowledge. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the lads in Finney Scale would appreciate this. Oh, mate. They might be cops now themselves. That's not really idiot. All cops are bastards, Finney Scale. Finny is like a good slang name for someone who like used to be okay. And no, you know. Finny Scat is rhyming slang for scab. Yeah, there you <laughs> yeah. Go. Oh my god. Yeah. When you it cross the picket line, sense. you're like, like oh, you, you don't read that. Emma, whoever, who wrote The House is Always Haunt Piece, do you? No, of course not. Fucking Finny Scad. Fuck, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Huge. Huge. Huge content. <laughs> Three weeks old. The internet will have moved on by the time this drops. Yeah, sorry. Uh, just in terms of context, a couple of weeks ago, there were these things called newspapers <laughs> and workers who had oh, rights. Yeah. And they had these things called rights. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's gone. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Crazy days, people. <laughs> they eat this thing called food. Yeah. <laughs> live, live in these things called homes. Yeah. And one of these motherfuckers tried to cross the picket line and we're all like, don't do it. Don't do <laughs> it. Don't be a finny scad. <laughs> I think that's a life lesson we can all learn, really. I was worried that uh, after this song faded away, we'd forget it. But I think... What song? I, <laughs> There were these things called songs. <laughs> I don't know. I always feel like these bands, I'm always like, oh, I just, I really like that I the Hottest 100 has preserved this yeah, moment. I do yeah. agree. And I'll, but I, I want to root for them. I love it when we find yeah, these bands. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I haven't heard of this. And they have one, and they released one album and you find the song and you're like, fucking other tapes are That's fun. Cool. I don't mm, feel that for this not song. Not at all, though. no. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, don't I, I don't mind this. But David has a, a long, passionate history with this song. True. <laughs> I remember it from fucking 15, whatever fucking years ago or whatever. 20. And I was just like, oh, yeah. And that's it. <laughs> was it a track you skipped or was it a track that- I listened to it and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. But, yeah, like, I literally just remember the name. I vaguely remember Capitan. And that's it. I listened to the song again. I like literally like a couple of days ago. I listened to it again today. I can barely tell you a fucking thing about it. Mm, hey, yeah. Uh, all I can tell you is that it's a fucked name, <laughs> and that's about it. Life comes at you fast, man. Like you forget about Finny Scad sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't even tell you what they fucking look like. I will tell you the on YouTube. Like the video was uploaded from a guest programming of Rage by a future Hottest 100 entrant by the name of Pete Murray. Huh. Pete Murray hosted Rage and he picked this song. Yeah, right. Checks out. There you go. Yeah, Finny Scad. Don't be a Finny Scad. Don't be a Finny Scad. It's time for part two of our fucked band names two-parter. This is Gaggy Tar. And this song is called Whoever You Are. It's number 41.
Number 41 in the 1996 Hottest 100. The song's called Whoever You Are. Adam. Yes. Who are you? No. So, someone who <laughs> loves Geggy <Gigi> Tar. <laughs> There's this beautiful thing that happens for people who aren't in the recording room for this podcast. The, the few of you. The few. We go away separately and we come to our own conclusions about the song. And we don't actually confer about what we think about the song prior to coming into this room. You hear it we actually, this is, real, this is yeah. categorically false. I email everyone well in advance <laughs> and tell them exactly what to think. <laughs> I am the master of puppets. <laughs> I'm pulling your strings. Here's the script for this week, guys, if you could memorize this. <laughs> yeah. so we're all really good actors, you know, like in even when we talk over each other it's, it's very clever okay so but during the what happens is Nathan will play the song a little bit just to remind us of what it's like and we'll all just kind of sit here and try and have a poker face and honestly during that song it's it was that was one of the more difficult ones to read I feel even now I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even know so I'm gonna hold on to my card a little while longer uh Gigi Tar talking about the band name here we go. It's this actually be, so, no. It's cu- it's cute. It's not. It's, I've it checked is, and it's, it's not. cute. Oh. It's really cute. It's because I'll judge. I'm the fucking lord of cuteness. I'll figure this shit out. <laughs> it's because each of the members of the band I are actually their named Gigitar. <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> what, are, what are the odds no. of us all being named Gigitar? Oh my god, no. my name is Gigitar too. I thought I was the only one. I, I truly <laughs> thought I was the only one. I cannot overemphasize how much I thought I was the only one. <laughs> I failed at this this anecdote as well, by the way, because I should have no I should have written down what their actual names were. Greg and Tom. Thank you, Nathan. Anyway, they both had younger sisters. Neither of these younger sisters could pronounce their names, and this is like a combination of the mispronunciations that these younger sisters had for them. That's pretty cute. That's Your cute. Honor, Your Honor, presiding oh. over the cute court. It's all right. <laughs> like, um, it's still fucked. She's just, case dismissed. It's, it's, it's like, like as Get a nickname, like, <laughs> nicknames, sure. Like, cute court you know, is a pretty good name there's for a, a There's an yeah, Australian actor by the name uh, who has goes by the name of Kick Gurry. Uh, and he goes by that name because his baby brother couldn't pronounce Chris, couldn't say Chris, so he called him Kick. And I that's Gigi Allen's story as well. Is that right? His birth name was Jesus Allen, and his younger brother had a speech impediment with Gigi. And he got him oh, Gigi, Gigi Allen. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's yeah. weird to attach then, him to a cute yeah. Yeah. case. And then he shat on him. It was adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Oh. But yeah, you don't fucking call your band that. That's fucked. <laughs> It's a fucked band you name. Don't, you don't name your band after the failure of babies. <laughs> don't name your band after the failure Again, of babies. failure of babies, pretty okay band name. I'm going to start a band called Baby Failure. Also, don't name your band after the failure of good name, good name for a David James Young song. Hey, yeah, David song, rather. you can always depend on <laughs> the failure <laughs> of babies. <laughs> there it is. Fuck so. yeah. <laughs> you can't always depend on that. <laughs> babies are terrible. They're, they're, oh, babies they're garbage and heaps of things. Babies they, fail at everything. They suck at heaps. They suck at so we, much. On, fr- on Friday, our office mate comes in with her baby. Very cute. Had an apple. Threw it on the ground. Bruised the apple. Well, you ruined that one. Good. Fucking A. Grow up. <laughs> okay. So All right. Good, good gig car discussion. Uh, so All right. Good talk. It covers up. <laughs> I'm going to play my card now. All right, all right. I'm going to play my card now. I like this. <laughs> I like this. Adam. Oh, Adam. Adam. It's a match. Oh, also yay! Like this no! <laughs> no! No! Snap! There yeah, we go. No, I remember this song from a kid. I had a huge nostalgia <laughs> for this song. When you were a, a kid, failure. A kid sang it to me on the way here. <laughs> you, always, you always can depend on the kindness of babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but I, I, I was hearing this song for the first time, and it's just kind of like, as, as an instrumental, if this didn't have any vocals over it, it would be a really nice, sunny jam. I, and I think it would be pretty cool. And then, But then, like, it's this it's this weird song about this dude who was driving and he, like, a, a driver let him in and he felt he was so moved by this act of kindness that he wrote a song about it. It's so stupid it's, and it's, great. It's a song about the joys of being thankful for someone letting you merge. Look, look, look. I, Which is, not, it's, like, that's the perfect down, amount of gratefulness because it's like, that means something to you at the time. But grateful you know, reacts only. No, 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 As, I mean, Adam and I are kind of the only two drivers in the room, the wave is incredibly important. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think if someone Real were to write now. a good song about the wave, I'd be for it. 
This is a bad song. Nah, it's just so annoying. Like, uh, I like. I understand why you like it because the reason that I don't like it is because I can see why it's so accessible Ah, and fun. And but it just, I don't like the bibbidi boop scatting. No, in art, let alone (laughs) all this song. Um, And but I think I know just. Like, I remember, I remember as a kid, I, I, when, when it started, I'm like, I don't know this song. And then it goes, all I want to do is to thank you. And like, the nostalgia bells in my brain just, like, came crashing down. It was absolutely mental. So I have a bit of love for that reason. But also, I don't know, it's sweet, innocuous, kind of fun, whatever. I oh, think it's I, just, like, that's just a great idea. Yeah, exactly. The idea carries the it. The idea is really just weird and lovely, and I just kind of really get into it. Like really mad. The, <laughs> the persona that he crafts is just so innocent and stupid. No, and I'm thankful. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's thankful. Just, he's just, like... A bit I, I think it feels contrived and like I'm gonna be this I'm just this cool guitar like ah, it's bad <laughs> this is on um, David Byrne's label really? What? yeah I can see that Burn? congratulations David Byrne you got played you outplayed yourself <laughs> David Byrne congratulations David Byrne you played yourself, you played yourself. David Byrne I have, I have one word for you grateful react yeah sick burn but, but that's because uh, they are and their earlier work is I guess more in line with this I for some reason listened to some of their early stuff they they, are, they think of themselves as a jazz band huh hence that's the not, scatting no that's not correct right really that's huh. wrong That's huh. they're not a jazz band no no they're not no that's absolutely yeah, sheet band <laughs> I don't know I, I can't really intellectualise no, it anymore yeah. I can't it's, 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 it, it's sweet and I think it's very funny in a little tone in a little way and that's, I think that's very nice I get it it's I, semi-novel, I totally, but it's semi-novelty like, but it's a novelty that I get behind I just so like, it's too I don't know I just like picture an itself. army of mums being like oh isn't that nice like <laughs> you know like yeah, oh. well, totally. I think the mums are thinking a bit too weird oh, is this really about merging that's a bit weird that's no, a weird they would thing like to write that. a song about no it's oh, your man. fucking mums grunge baby <laughs> also <laughs> to throw this all the way back to oh my god I can't even remember that ready to go baby I'm ready to go yeah by Re- Republica Republica, uh, Republica. also Rock a car ad song Oh, absolutely. Of course it was. Uh, Mercedes-Benz 2001. Hmm. 2001? Yeah. Wow. Well, how many roller coasters? <laughs> None. <laughs> so it can be only a really bad roller coaster. <laughs> so. Getting hyped up. Skip it up. And you, you, you like have to stop and let other roller coasters go ahead of you. <laughs> you never get to go up the hill because you keep And then you just have to feel grateful for that. Uh, you know, it's just the grateful coaster. <laughs> That's, if, if, if grateful if coaster! The top you, you, grateful. you would need to be incredibly rich to be the world's greatest artist because I just now realised the world's greatest artist is an avant-garde roller coaster designer who makes roller coasters. In the same way that like the best video games, like the art it's video like, games, yeah, are like yeah, ones yeah. that are like challenging. Is it, like is Passage really a game? Like It's just this... Weird indie exploration. Is this like really that. a roller? Is this really a roller coaster? Like, I mean, I'm sitting in the car, but it takes two hours. <laughs> like, I just, I move at a glacial pace. Like, I want to get off Mr. Bones. Wild yeah, yeah, yeah. Ride. Yeah, the millionaire who would make Mr. Bones Wild Ride IRL is my best friend. <laughs> be, be that man. <laughs> yeah, just, you have just, a reason just to get. Be a millionaire. Just put on my job cannon into the. You have a reason to get super wealthy oh. now. <laughs> yep. Song's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's just annoying. Band's fucked. Uh, Fuck this shit. Okay. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening, and thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites. Mac reckons it might be unanimous. Well, I'm questioning that now. Like, I think I, the fave will be. The fave is obviously where it's at. Fave is obviously yeah, where it's at. Obviously, um, yeah. Um, but the room is going to be divided, I reckon. Yeah. So my, my, my least favourite is definitely Salvation, but that's more of a moral decision than anything else. No, it was also my least favourite. I think I'm going to the same thing. Fuck you guys. It was giggy fucking tough. <laughs> Eat balls. Eat all the balls. Come on, really? <laughs> yeah, man, really. Come the fuck on. <laughs> think about the Salvation video, man. She was so hot. It's all right. You fucking... I've, se- I've, I've seen a good-looking person before. <laughs> Fucking there, there's heaps of them on the internet. You probably see <laughs> another one today, just incidentally. I Wait, without, see. without even trying. You never know. It kind of looked like you were fishing for that to be. You're probably seeing another good looking person yeah. today. No, no, no. Maybe, yes, Adam, you're very handsome. Maybe the thing you're looking for <laughs> is, is right, right in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Very kind. Oh, very nice of you to say. You've right. done me such a kindness. If you want to support this podcast in some way, shape, or form, you can go on iTunes. Tell them how fucking great we are. Subscribe and fucking tell all your mates, tell all your enemies, tell your mums, tell your dads, tell your little baby brother. 
Yeah. He can't yeah. fucking download podcasts. Yeah, he's a baby. For the enemies, this could be a bridging point. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yes, we are violently opposed that. on every issue, but Hot Off 100s and Thousands is well lit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking, you know, when the family gets together for a fucking reunion and everyone's arguing about fucking, like, politics or some shit, you just be like... like guys, listen, listen, listen to our four favourite friends. How about the latest friends? episode of 100s, right? And they'll all be like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Break your arm from all the high fives. Uh, and, and <laughs> That's your cross like, to bear, I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> At Hottest 100s on Twitter... And please hit us on Facebook and uh, just let us know that you agree with David and I about Giggy Tar. Yeah, please. That it's trash and belongs in a bin for trash. (gasps) On behalf of Miss Adam Buncher. Hmm. (laughs) 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 I'm out of bed, Goodbye. And I'm out of bed, David. Good night. I'm David and I know everything. Don't do it. it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs>